Footy Adieu, a delusional soccer podcast. Footy Adieu, a soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. It's brothers this week. Last week it wasn't because Zach was sick. He's back now, which is is good. Antibiotics um, are a wonderful thing. They are. They are. Um, well, this story is titled The Delayed Leap. It was the summer of 2011, and our soccer fandom was growing. Fresh off the 2010 Men's World Cup and Landon Donovan's goal versus Algeria, Algeria, the men's game had our curiosity. But by July of 2011, the women's game had our attention. After going up early, only to concede a penalty and have a player sent off in the quarterfinal of the Women's World Cup, the U.S. held Brazil and forced the game to go to extra time. Brazil's talisman, Marta, scored a lovely goal early on in the extra period to put her team on the brink. As the game went on, with Brazil faking injuries to waste time and the U.S. set for their worst performance in the Women's World Cup, the team in yellow began to feel like villains, and the U.S. needed a hero. That hero came in the form of Abby Wambach and Megan Rapinoe. Rapinoe sent a hopeful cross, and Wambach headed it. This was in like the 122nd minute, and I remember watching this game at home with Zach and our dad, and when she headed it, we thought it went just wide, and we let out a disappointed gasp. And then we realized the equalizer had just went in, and we jumped up in the air and celebrated. Then it was on to penalties, piece of cake, Alley Krieger, buckets. It was because of this game that I got into soccer, truly, in the first place. The, the U.S. men's team sort of piqued my interest a little bit, and then the women's team drove it home with that long run uh, and heartbreak in the World Cup final. Uh, but that game, that moment, is the reason why I watch and why I love this game. I think me and you are, are on the same page in that situation. I, And just like you, I remember that that moment vividly yeah what a time i i can't remember most things that happened in my life but if there was a sporting event around it boom i remember it clear I, yeah i day. think yeah i think I, I remember like jumping off the couches is something that i that is like um ingrained in my memory not say we jumped off the couch in this game but i know we jumped up in the air i remember watching super bowl 42 when the David Tyree catch happened, I remember we were at Anthony DeVoli's house and we jumped up in the air and that one too. Like just sports moments. It's weird the way we were, we grew up watching so many sports. Those memories are huge for us. And I'm sure it's not just with us. I mean, sports are just a huge part of everyday life, which is insane. Like you can watch a sport and just be depressed the rest of the day because of a result. I. It's just a game. I still, there's still things that I don't want to look at. There's still things that I, if I see, it's, it sends through the poor emotion uh, once again. Like, on, on top of my desk at this very moment, I have a 2015 NLCS program and a 2015 World Series program. Now, when I see either of those now, I know that the Mets beat the Cubs in the NLCS that season. doesn't matter. I still look at that program and think how close they got 
Um, and the fact that they did get to the World Series and played so poorly in it. And now that I'm talking about it, I'm just, we're just going to end here. Yeah. I'm going to go cry myself to sleep. And, and that's, that'll be that's that. That's the pod. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I so know there's like. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> I definitely, I go back and like I'll watch highlights from, you know, past sporting events that meant a lot to me and there's times even even the games that like i lose i would occasionally i'll occasionally watch just plays from those games so like the marcus page three-pointer to tie villanova i'll occasionally watch that then turn it off before, before uh, the villanova comes yeah before the buzzer beater or you know for example or i'll watch game one of the nba finals between the heat and the mavericks in 2011 where the heat played a great game there was some great D Wade moments, and then I'll I, I I won't watch, you know, game two, mm-hmm. uh, and I won't watch any highlights really from the rest of that series. But um, you tend to just try and make your own memories of the situation to cope to cope with it. Yeah, and back. But, um, I mean, thinking back to um, the 2011 World Cup that you're talking about, which uh, you mentioned the heartbreak of the the final loss, and I still anytime I can't think of. It, the song might be called I'm on the Edge, I don't, whatever it is, The Edge, Lady Gaga. Um, I still, anytime I hear that song, I think of the Women's World Cup loss in 2011 because that is the song that was on the promos uh, for the Women's World Cup final on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, that, like, it's a, it's a shame. Um, given the situation, though, like losing to Japan, a, a country that had gone through so much leading up to that, so you can't really like they weren't it wasn't necessarily like a bad a bad guy scenario or like a villain winning the the World Cup just because the the US lost it but it's a shame because I think that game against Brazil would have been that much greater had they went on to win it um you know I I remember watching it and then we were waiting for the next World Cup and you know they they came back and they beat Japan in the final but there's just something about that 2011 World Cup that felt like we deserved to win it not that Japan didn't, but like I think the U.S. was kind of on like a road to destiny sort of feel that year, um, and that happens a lot with that. That's just down to the narrative of American sports sometimes. But that game, I remember how big that goal was. That goal was so crazy. The voting for the play of the year had already happened at the ESPYS. The voting had already done, and they reopened it to because of that goal. That goal had happened after the voting had closed, and then that that goal won best play at the ESPYs because of it. I mean, it, and it should have. It was it was insane. Yeah, and it's it's something weird that we like look back on it and think about how how big of a moment that goal was even though they didn't end up winning the right. final. That cross was insane. Cuz like that you is, mentioned that is, like you mentioned like, David Tyree, if the Giants don't win that game, that catch doesn't mean anything. Wait, another look back thing at the... for a sporting event, for me, I wasn't alive, but the 1986 right. Mets, what they did in Game 6, Bill Buckner, if they don't win Game 7, Game 6 doesn't mean anything. But for some reason, this goal happened, they didn't win the final, and it's still, it's still something that we look back on because yeah. I mean, of like... what it started. Yeah, I like you look at like there's other there's a whole list of sporting events you can look back on. Um, I remember even the Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl. There was I think Jermaine Curse made an incredible catch and then they threw the interception, so it didn't really yeah. matter. Um, like if Ray Allen, like the Heat win Game Six against the Spurs, 
if they lose game seven or if they lose game six in overtime, that shot doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't mean anything. Exactly. But I'm, because of because of what this started for us and how yeah. it ignited our fandom of the sport, it uh, it just right. stays with us. Yeah, if we, I wonder if we that doesn't happen, that game, if the U.S. loses to Brazil, I wonder how how long it takes um, for us to actually get really into soccer because that that was a big that was a big moment in that. I think I remember we followed the rest of that tournament, and I don't know if it happens the same way um, as that game had that game not gone the way it did. Yeah, there's definitely a, a different trajectory of of what we do there. Um, so. Let's uh let's get started. Um, we're gonna start with something a little new here. Um, I posed a question on Reddit in the uh, Premier League subreddit, um, which uh, at this point I'm gonna do every week. So if you want your answers to be heard, just uh, go ahead and find our post. You can uh, follow our uh, profile. Footy ado. Um, so the the question I posed was, what Premier League player do you hate for no good reason? Now, as an Arsenal fan, I dislike players. That I'm, I, I dislike Tottenham players. But there's a reason behind it. I yeah. thought of this question and posted this question because... While watching Arsenal Newcastle, I was reminded that for no good reason, I cannot stand Matt Ritchie. He's all I can think. He's just a twat. I, I honestly, I can, I can't stand him, and I am annoyed with him no matter what when Arsenal are playing Newcastle. And I don't know if it's like a thing. Oh, he played with Bournemouth and then. Bournemouth stayed up in the league while Newcastle got relegated and he forced a move to Newcastle to go back to the championship and now is back. In the, I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I can't stand him, but I just know that he's one of my least favorite players in the Premier League. Um, so, so you created a question. You created a new segment on the podcast because just so Matt you could Ritchie. talk about... Just so you could talk about Matt Ritchie. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, but so there were there were some good answers. Now I was a little worried when I first posted it. There wasn't much traffic for the first day that it was up, and then it started to um, get a few comments because the first day someone said Raheem Sterling, and I don't I don't deal with Raheem Sterling hate. Uh, I don't take that lightly. Um, yeah just because of the media hate he gets. So whoever said Raheem Sterling, I don't like you all that much. Going to be honest with you, okay, but nice. I still hate yeah, Matt Ritchie a little bit more. We're, but, yeah, we're trying to build we're trying to build a listenership here following just start telling people okay, you don't yeah. like them who yeah, participate in your poll. That's, that's great. That's yeah, really good. The way to, way to go, definitely. The way to go. Uh, the way to go. <laughs> here we are. We've got a name for the episode. Um, um, so some answers that I got um, someone Two days ago, said I thought I was the only one that despised Matt Ritchie, and I can assure you, you are not. Um, another one, Mustafi doesn't belong in the Premier League, and I think Trippier is way too cocky. Okay. Um, ben Foster, really good keeper, but can't stand him for some reason. 
that's you or is this someone else? No, this is these are all comments. Okay. Um, and then I liked this one, <laughs> Sadio Mane, awful haircut and awful hairline. Tough to argue with. Um, and then someone, it's, it's pretty easy to argue with. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, it has nothing to do with have the person or player at all. Yeah, but I, it's not as bad hating a player. Here, but we're talking about it, so it's got to be pretty bad. So, is this is this why LeBron is the most hated player, one of the like top hated players in the NBA because his hairline? Like, yeah, and you got a problem with that? I, I, imagine Take hating a player because podcast. their hairline. Get out of here, guys. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, and then any other good ones? Uh, so someone said, you know, I I can only think of United players. So ignoring my bias as a Chelsea fan, I'm going to say Marcus Alonso. Never liked him even when he was good for us. And that seems okay. like a popular opinion for Chelsea fans, and I know that would trigger you a little bit. Um, but so no, I, I, I mean, I understand. He has he's he's a weird player. I mean, I liked I like him. I liked him when he was good for us. I, I that I don't see why you might like you wouldn't. I I guess he has that sort of past with the drink driving and stuff like that. But that's the only thing that I can that can explain it to me. Like I don't know why you wouldn't like him when he was good for us. Yeah. Um, and then the the winner of this whole thing for me was Harry Kane. Close your mouth for fuck's sake. And uh, that was it. The most popular answer on this entire thread. So what um, is that? Just is that down to him saying stuff or down to him always having his mouth open while playing? I like, feel like it just could be a little bit of both because he does both of those things. He's just yeah. walks around with the mouth open. He's he's a mouth breather. Jay. I fi- I figured I figured you would. Uh, empathize with him a little bit why is you know, that gr- because growing up i mean growing up you always had your mouth open because i still do you're... i can't breathe out of my nose for yeah the life of me then what literally do you mean? the what do you life mean? of me yeah so what yeah so i figure you'd empathize with uh someone who does that too i don't know so you had a thought in your mind that i would empathize with harry kane and you thought that was a good idea to say it unbelievable <laughs> Like you don't even know me, um, but so as far as Reddit goes, we will be posting a question uh, tomorrow up there. So we will post the link to our Twitter for this question. If you want to hear your answers heard, that is the place to go. Um, not quite decided what question we are posing to the public this week, but um, I'm I sure should have. I'm sure it'll yeah. be a good one. We'll we'll discuss that. I, I, I should have looked for this post and commented on one because I think I got I, I have a few I could probably think of. So so, give us one. Think who's who's one Premier League player that you can't stand, but really there isn't any good reason. It's not down to a rivalry. I think it's no, it's Bernard for Everton. Yeah, I hate I I hate Bernard. <laughs> I don't know why. I just there's something about him I just do not like Bernard in the slightest. <laughs> there, see, that's the thing that happens. It's, you just, you watch him play once, and you're like, I don't know what it is, I don't know why it is, but fuck him. <laughs> and that's okay. I'm on board with you. I mean, I don't know if it's okay, but it happens. It happens. And it happens to the best of us. We had, there was 19 comments on that. We're not alone. We're not alone at all. The people of Reddit, the people of social media are staying the 19, with us. The and 19 saying, people. 19, uh, yeah, no, listen. That's the most people that have ever talked to me. So, 
Yeah. Were you? A, seems I, like a big. Is that not a big number? Yeah. What is? What did you post on? Did you post on your personal, or is it like posted on a footy? Do you like? Do people know to listen to this podcast now? So, Reddit is, is that tricky. So I didn't say listen to our podcast to hear your answers because that seems like a self promotion, which is a community guideline rule that I would be breaking. Right. I messaged the mods on this subreddit and they didn't answer me. Okay. So, so what, what did you do... lead the post with? What's that? How did you like prompt the post? Did you just ask the question or just ask the like... question said what said who mine was and, and why? And that was it. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this week answers could be best answers will be heard on this podcast, but I'm still scared to post a link. Yeah. So we will see how it goes. Yeah, people can search. And if we get if we get booted from one subreddit, if we get booted from the Premier League subreddit, it's not like we can't go to just the regular soccer subreddit. So Yeah, we'll just we'll just go and post to the anti Matt Ritchie subreddit. They'll keep us on. Who do you think the mod is in that one? They ain't kicking us out. <laughs> um, so let's move on. We've got the FA Cup semifinal to discuss. Um, first of all, Man City beat Brighton on Saturday. I think everyone expected that one. Um, but yeah. and still... Man, City, Man City have been doing this quite often now, is winning just 1-0 against teams they should probably beat by a lot. Which yeah. is... um, but it doesn't matter. They, got, they kept a clean sheet. They got a goal. They are into the FA Cup final, and the quest for their quadruple still very much alive. Um, yes. So that, that the opponents that they're that they were going to be looking at it looked for a while looked like it was going to be Wolves in the semifinal on Sunday. Um, they go up two 0 in the sixty second minute, and then it just all comes crumbling down. Uh, De Lefeu scores in the 79th, and then a penalty in the 94th minute from none other than Captain Troy Deeney. Hmm. And then they win it in extra time, 104th minute. De Lefeu, again, they put three shots on target, Watford, in this game. And they scored with all three shots on target. Yeah, I mean... What an what a crazy what a crazy game and this was a it was a great game I mean they're not right now they sit at eighth and tenth in the table respectively but these have been sort of the two teams that have been floating around seventh and eighth the best teams outside the top six uh, for most of the season so it was to see that matchup um, to see one of those teams outside you know if you don't if you're not going to have a team from the top six make it to the final it's cool to see some of those teams like that are on the fringe and we've had excellent seasons like Wolves and Watford both have both would be you know it'd be amazing to solidify their strong seasons with a trophy um and of course you know you look at the matchups and it's Wolves and Watford and Brighton and Man City Man City draw the team in 16th and not the team that's closer to the top of the table but um Man City and what an exciting yeah <laughs> what an exciting game though uh Wolves Look to be on their way. I I was I was thinking that's that felt that felt justifiable given how well they've done this season. But like I said, Watford have had a good season too, and 
they have Gerard de la Feu. Gerard de la Feu. Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent. Yeah. Let's not get back to that. But um, so, but <laughs> what a, a whirlwind of emotions for Wolves. So they, Raul Jimenez signs permanently with Wolves before this game um, in the week leading up. He scores. He puts him up 2 0. He got a half hour to play at Wembley. What could go wrong? He puts on, uh, he, he wore what, a Mexican wrestler mask yeah. for his goal celebration and then didn't advance to the final. That is so, so bad. It reminds me of the Palace United FA Cup final a couple of years ago where Palace go ahead and, and Alan Pardew right? starts dancing on the sideline and then they lose the cup. Unbelievable, yeah. but um, ha- I'm absolutely happy for Watford. I'm happy for Troy Deeney. He's, he's honestly a player that I expected to see in the answers of our uh, Reddit question. But um, you've got to give him all the credit in the world. He was saying, you know, 10 years ago I was paying 10 pounds a week to play football, and now I'm in a cup final at Wembley. And um, also the comments from Ben Foster are absolutely incredible, saying that he will refuse to play in the FA Cup final if he was picked over Jorelio Gomez. Gomez deserves it and should play without a doubt. He has never let this club down and never will. Gomez is going to retire, and this will be his final game. And his, the only man in the way of him starting this cup final has said that he will not play. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. To the person who said they hated Ben Foster in this question, in the, in the Reddit question, you got to rethink yourself because he seems like a pretty good guy. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame they'll never know where to hear us say this because we can't post the link. Because we can't, yes. Yeah. Hey guys, we're gonna put some of your answers on a podcast, but I can't tell you where. Guess you, you just. Yeah, I can tell to, you what podcast. Yeah, you have to luckily find the Footy Ado user on Reddit, and then also luckily find us on Twitter, because Reddit yeah. has rules that sometimes contradict themselves. Yeah, but, I mean, absolutely incredible comeback. The goal from Dale LeFayu, the first one, is insane. He just gets it. You see him put a little bit of spin on it, and then he chips it right to that that uh, far back corner. Um, and the thing is, they still almost didn't win. Like, that penalty in the 91st minute, what an awful penalty to give away. Yeah, absolutely like, atrocious. Deeney isn't, like, if you don't go for that ball, Deeney's going to get the ball, and he's going to be surrounded by Wolves players. He's not going to even be able to get a shot realistically on goal um so i don't i mean what a bad foul to give in that moment um and dini wasn't going to shrink in in his moment uh you know he's he scored crazy goals he scored that wild playoff goal to get watford promoted looking a little bit slimmer this year yeah, is troy dini which is which is great Cause, i mean you look at like with watford they've had sort of they started the season strong, and then the season fade, like faded towards the end of it, and they've gotten rid of managers. But they've stayed up in the Premier League, and like, I wonder if it had been down to maybe Dini. I got, I don't, I don't really know specifically what his numbers were, but perhaps he's he sort of faded as the season went on. Um, but this year, you know, he looks to be in much better shape, and it's showing because Watford have been remarkable this season. I think he gave the weight that he lost to Lukaku. 
Um, that that would pretty much explain explain everything. <laughs> um, oh my gosh! But yeah, ab- absolutely, Deeney. Like you said, he in that moment, he's not gonna he's not gonna fail there. He has been fighting his whole career. He's ca- the captain of this side. He is putting them through um, at least to extra time, and he did it. And his team uh, helped him out and got him to the final. Um, there, there's no way that he's missing that penalty or that penalty is getting saved. He, he's just, it's just right. a, a perfect moment for him, a perfectly scripted moment for Troy Deeney. Yeah, and I mean, like, for like his time in the Premier League, he's always been, he's always seemed like a player. You know, he always performed in big moments, but he always seemed like a player who didn't really, didn't really give a shit. You know what I mean? But like, in a way, sometimes he would play with just a reckless attitude where even in a good way, he would score, flip off, he flipped off Chelsea fans, stuff like that. Kind of just like, he was kind of all over the place a little bit. This year, it kind of seems like he's a little bit more focused. He still has that abrasiveness to him, but like you saw when he scored that goal, how much it meant to him. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh, and the I think, is, and was incredible. Yeah. And, and I think you've seen, I think you've seen him put it into his fitness this year as well. And I think it, he's, He's only getting better for Watford, and Watford are only getting better because of it. But also, I mean, you look at Wolves versus Watford. Both teams have been incredible, but I don't think Wolves... Like, Wolves have Jimenez up front, great uh, forward, center forward. They don't really have the flair players like De La Feu to maybe uh, turn a game on its head or take over, take a game by the scruff of the neck. They have strong midfield players, uh, strong forwards, but they don't really have that wide player that really can influence a game the way De La Fela was able to. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to say his name anymore. <laughs> um, De La Fela. Josh Sargent. El- um, no, they, so <laughs> they, like, uh, Diego uh, Jota, 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 Jota? Jota, whatever sure. Um, whatever, so he's a, a very good wide player, but like you said, he doesn't offer that type of flair that you need, and um, it's it, he's not a player where, okay, he's going at the fullback and you're saying with all the confidence in the world he's going to get past him. He's got the, the the skill moves to get past him every single time. You're confident he's going to do it every time. Um, De Lufeu is one of those types of guys. He played for Barcelona. I know that he was on Barcelona, exactly. loaned out, sold, loaned, sold back, loaned out, sold again. Like, a little bit of a, a weird trajectory, but... Right, he was at Everton for a little bit, but you know he's got that he's got that pedigree. He does, he does. Um, he's a, a very good player, and that Watford are absolutely lucky to have. And look, look at what it's done for them. Look how good he's played for them. An FA Cup final for whichever one of these teams got there, it was going to be massive. But for Watford, mm-hmm. it's it's absolutely huge. A team that you know. Like you said, has you know been firing managers, bringing people in. It's kind of there's a high turnover at the club. But yeah, the, they have, diet, a chance, they have a chance for silverware, and how big of a of an accomplishment even for Wolves just to get to the semifinal, for Brighton just to get to the semifinal. Um, but Wolves they played in the championship last season, and they get promoted, and they're playing very well. I know they've had some uh, recently uh, a few rough results, but um, to me they are in that group of being the best of the rest outside of the top six and a 
a Wembley appearance in your first season back in the top flight is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was ready for them to to make the final. I was gonna be rooting hard for them if they did, cause cause you know I'm with Chelsea. I sort of feel weird about the manager situation right now. Obviously, it's been more positive of, as of late. But if if uh, Nuno got a trophy in his first season and been like, and you see like you look at Sari who doesn't have one, I'd be like, look at like this guy even has a trophy. Hire him. Yeah, do, do something. Do something here. Yeah. Um, but and but. now remember. We talked about this a few weeks ago. The Whoever is going to finish in sixth place, if City don't win the FA Cup, that team in sixth place is going to be in Europa League qualifying on July 25th. And now, I know That's that... That's if City don't win? That's if, if City don't win the FA Cup? Yes. So, okay. for from that perspective... You either are rooting hard for City to win. You're obviously rooting hard for your team to not finish sixth, but you're rooting hard for your for City to win the FA Cup if you're going to finish sixth because of that. And mm-hmm. you know you look at like preseason tournaments that were just announced. If it's Arsenal that finished sixth, they're supposed to be playing in Washington D.C. against Real Madrid on July 23rd. Um, they're supposed to, they're playing a slew of games in the U.S. In the, in the week leading up to that. So it's going to be a very, very early start to the season. Now, in Europa League qualifying, you would obviously back any of the English Playing. clubs that yeah. were put in that situation. But it doesn't... It, it, it causes unrest. Look at what it did to Burnley this season, starting uh, very early. Made, qualified for Europa League last year, and now they're still worrying about relegation. So, um, not saying that whoever finishes sixth this year is getting relegated next year, but it's going to make their season tough just because of the way that it's getting it kicked off. Um, right, yeah. But luckily for them, if they do, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have Burnley to look at. Like, I think Burnley just didn't do enough um, to prepare themselves for all that competition, and they got off to a slow start. Um, and, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how this game ends up and how who is, who is it going to likely affect will be interesting to see too cuz it like that 3 to 6 race right now is is incredibly tight. Yeah. And now here's for a uh, before we move on a medium a medium take here. If Manchester City get to the Champions League final, I think Watford wins the FA Cup final. Because you're a week those finals are a week apart. And if you're a City player, if I'm a City player getting ready for an FA Cup final against Watford when I know that we're going to a Champions League final next week. I've got my I've got one eye on the Champions League and I and that isn't the right way to think about it, but yeah. it's got to I mean, it's it could, gotta be it could affect them. I mean, we'll see cuz they, you know, depending on where the where the title race is at that point coming towards the end of the season. I mean, obviously th- those games are after, but uh you know, have they say they win the league? That's two trophies down. The quadruple will very much be uh, uh, a, a big possibility. So you have to wonder where their heads are, whether it's on the quadruple as a whole, or if they, like you said, look ahead a little bit too much to that Champions League. Uh, yeah, and remember, we, we don't know what's the what the case is going to be, um, whether or not we pretend to. We pretend will, to know. No, we do, but we won't know at this point. <laughs> Uh, we right, will obviously. know at this point once the FA Cup final is being played who the Premier League champion is. So 
it, the quadruple might not be on. It might be like, okay, yeah. we, we lost the league. We've got to win the FA Cup and the Champions League to uh, consider this a successful season. So mm-hmm. um, we'll, uh, we'll be looking at that in the coming weeks just to, to see what this City team can accomplish. Um, and before we move on to the Champions League and preview that a little bit, we're going to take a quick ad break. So now we are going to move on to the UEFA Champions League quarterfinal starting this week. Um, leg one on Tuesday is Tottenham and City and Liverpool and Porto. Um, Tottenham Man City, I know one of my delusions was Tottenham get through over Man City. Um, not rooting for it, but I'm standing by it. Um, standing by it, okay. Who do you think the most important player for Man City is going to be in this in this tie? Um, that's a that's an excellent question. Uh, I think you know, I mean, it's going to be one of those wide. I think it's going to be down to the one of their wide players. I think uh, Leroy Sané, uh, who's who I'm going to pick. Who knows if he plays? I'd never even know. I I mean, they have so many people, so you never know who's actually going to start. But I think it's going to be down to their wingers. Uh. Spurs are a solid team at the back, and I mean, and even and they can move it around, change it up, and still be solid. You saw what uh, Jan Vertonghen was able to do as a as a fullback for them, and you know, even if he's there or if they put someone out, like if they decide to just go with the regular the regular guys, I think it's going to be down to what the wide players for City can. Uh, do to break them down because Spurs have a solid middle, you know, it'll be a, a nice battle between the likes of De Bruyne and Fernandinho, David Silva versus, you know, Ericsson, Deli Ali, stuff like that. Um, so I think it's going to be down to the wide players for city. Those are going to be the key key for me. And I think they're going to, I, I think you are indeed delusional uh, by saying Tottenham will go through. Of course I have the, the, uh, the advantage of having seen Tottenham struggle a little bit more after you had made that that call, but uh, the wide players for City are going to be huge. Yeah. Um, now for Tottenham, I'll tell you my biggest worry for Tottenham is that midfield because just be even if you have a, a decent midfield going up against Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, and Fernandinho, you're coming out second best. You're out of the gate. You are the second best midfield. In that, and, and it's it's got to be such a tough team to play, Man City, um, in that in that fashion. And the issue with Tottenham's midfield is they don't have a defensive midfielder that you're confident in week in week out. Now, like they sold uh, Moussa Dembele to China. Um, incredible 18 months. Who is crushing it now. Um, He's crushing it in China now, though. Yeah, of course he is. (laughs) Of course he is. Um, And you look at the defensive midfielders that they have. They've got uh, Victor Harry Winks. They've got Eric Dyer. Um, But, like you said, Harry Winks. I think Harry Winks, if he plays... If he is up to the battle in the midfield, if he if Pochettino gives him a go, and if he's up to that, that is huge for Tottenham. 
but they played a play, they played Musa Sissoko as their defensive midfielder um, last week, and he didn't look too bad in that spot. He really didn't. Um, but it's got to be overwhelming for any of these defensive midfielders. Eric Dyer, I don't think, is good enough to deal with um, the creativity that City have because City's going to do a good job, um, as they always do, of creating chances from the midfield so that you have to stay there. You cannot go over and help your fullbacks or you, you can't help your defense with those wingers. So that's going to draw Tottenham's wide players back as well. Um, and if, if one of those midfield guys gets drawn out to Raheem Sterling out on the right, um, and that just opens up more space for David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne um, straight down the middle to find, uh, they, you know, to find their, their very average striker, Sergio Aguero. Um, so uh, listen, I called it, I called it for, for Tottenham in this one. Um, but I understand the task at hand and how tough it's going to be and how the team set up against each other. It's, this is Pochettino prove, prove to us, prove to the world that you are a top manager. Prove it to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing with like Tottenham, what Tottenham has going for them, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how they're going to play. They still have their new stadium. That's like they, they're, they're, this is their second game they'll be playing in it. So that's going to be interesting to see if, if, if it's a, uh, if, you know, an advantage for them or a crutch uh, in any way, like just not getting used to the home field advantage just yet. It's still very new. Uh, but the thing with Tottenham, what they've showed us the past couple of years is when the least is expected of them. I was saying this to Sal last week. When the least is expected of them, they generally they generally perform uh, and and do well. Like, you know, going against Dortmund, I don't think people had had them doing that well. Uh, and they they blew him away. Uh, Tot and then you know, but like you know, when people expect Tottenham to play well or 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 win a game, sometimes they drop off. But I think in the moments when it's like there's no way they can do this, or like the the task is too tall, they they generally show a good bit of character and and uh, uh, perform well. So I mean, it's not it's certainly not impossible. And you know, even though I think I think City will win. It's because I, I always say that with a grain of salt against Tottenham because when when you're counting them out they do they do end up playing pretty well. Yeah, and it's you know, like you said, like ah Tottenham they're in the title race they're in the title race boom, no wins in five in the league. Then you're like okay there's no no shot City's gonna get through expect them to show up, and um, I think that the biggest thing for Man City is how much they'll be able to change the game with players off the bench and I think that gives them a massive advantage. Now, I think they have the advantage in the starting 11, um, like I mentioned, but they have so many different options that if they didn't... You said Leroy Sané. If they don't go with Leroy Sané, they uh, go somewhere else, they pick a different wide player, then you have Sané off the bench. That So it's taking him out in the starting 11 isn't really a disadvantage. It's, it's just adding to what you have. Um, so... It'll be interesting to see Pep's team um, or the way that Tottenham will set up, but it's it's a, a huge, 
huge match at the new stadium um, for Tottenham. Now let's see if Tottenham can finally score a non-crap goal at their new home because if it was last week, if it was any other game, if it was not the first game at the new stadium, Sun's goal is credited as an own goal, 1,000%. But you know they're saying, no, we're not crediting the first goal in this stadium as an own goal. So he gets the credit for it. And then the Erickson goal just, you know, little deflection bounces to him the right way. Um, so I'm interested to see if we can finally uh, finally get a a noteworthy goal for a yeah. Let's for let's a see if they can truly stadium. yeah. Let's see if they can truly christen this new this new stadium. This is you know put that on a Coke this is, commercial. This, yeah, this is a massive massive opportunity to already give this stadium some history. Um, yeah. So now on to Tuesday's. Other match of Liverpool and Porto. This one seems a little bit more straightforward. Liverpool the favorites here. Um, and do, do you think that Liverpool have what it takes to go toe-to-toe with City in the title race and to also mount this European challenge? I do. I do. I think. I mean, I think what we've seen from City and, and Liverpool this season is they've had the greatest uh, depth out of, out of the teams in the Premier League, and it shows in the table. Um, so I think that they, you know, I think with that depth, I think they're going to be able to, uh, do both. Cause I mean, even when we saw Liverpool struggling in the league, then they had a big game in the champions league and they, and they showed up and they looked like a really dangerous team last time out. I remember last, you know, last round we were, you know, is this going to be like, are, are they going to be too focused on the, on the league, uh, and you know they started to slip in the league, but then you know they bounced back with a big win in in the uh, the knockout round, the first the round of sixteen for Champions League. So I, I think they're going to continue on. I think they have a favorable draw with Porto. Not to take anything away from Porto, but I think Liverpool are are a team that no one wants to face in this competition. You know they're hungry, specifically due down to last year, almost winning it, uh, making it to the final. Uh, It'll be interesting. I mean, this is this is the make or break time for their season because they have this game in the midweek and then they play Chelsea, uh, who are on a nice little run of sorts. So we will see. I think it, it, this. I think more so this will affect their their league campaign rather than the league campaign affecting them in the Champions League. Okay. Um, yeah, I think you know it's it's tough because you almost have to choose when you don't have the depth that man city has which liverpool has good depth they have players that they have a a big set of midfield players that um can do the job well but they don't quite have it in the attacking sense where you have firmino mane and sala and then anytime you sub one of those guys off it's a bigger drop-off than it would be for a club like Manchester City. Yeah, for in a situation like this, you almost have to choose, okay, are we going all in on both? We're starting our best 11 on Tuesday. We're starting our best 11 on Saturday. We're starting our best 11 on Wednesday. A span of 10 days where you've got to throw a lot a lot on your players, and that's it's going to, especially at this point in the season, it's going to ha- take a physical toll. Um, so yeah, I you almost the... have to choose how 
how yeah. you're going to set up. And it's not like you, you can't look at it and say, okay, it's a cup final. It's our last game of the season. We're putting our best 11 out, and that's it. Because there are there will would be repercussions for that. Yeah, I mean the biggest thing with the biggest thing with Liverpool is they have it. I mean, they're like you said, there is a big drop off on the on the top of another attack. Uh, but their midfield is something that could allow them to to rotate a little bit. They have they have a pretty deep midfield. Um, I can definitely see them rotating there. And, you know, maybe keeping in the attacking players, um, you know, subbing them. I think they got to hope that they can get a, a lead early against Porto and maybe sub some players off to get them ready for their, their big matchup uh, on the weekend. And then but, yeah, in the matchup yeah, on the weekend, they hope that they get a lead so that they can sub their players off because they play right again on Wednesday. So that's the, that's the whole thing. You, you plan... Say they plan to do that. That's what their their best case scenario, and then it goes wrong. They can't do it. They have to fight. They have to get a goal. They they have to have their best attacking players um, on on the pitch for all ninety minutes because they're it's just not quite going as they expected. So that they're a little sluggish against Chelsea, and then if it doesn't go well against Chelsea, then there it's it's a domino effect. So it just it has to go right in the first of three matches. Yeah, it has to go absolutely right in that first match for the plan for the next seven, eight, right. nine days yeah. to go your way. So, um, and you think you have to think that they might have they've probably missed their opportunity on closing out the the league or giving them some breathing room because you know I mean Salah, Firmino, and and Mane, they've all had different stages of the season where they were performing very well. I don't think that we ever really had a uh, a part of the season where they were all, like, all on together, kind of like they were towards the end of last season on their way to the, the, the final in the Champions League. So, like, this year it's been kind of spotty. It's like, all right, Firmino's been off, but, like, Mane's been playing good, and Salah's been playing pretty good, and then, you know, switch that around. Like, Firmino has a couple good games, but Salah's in a, in a drought. So, you th- you get the sense that maybe they missed their opportunity to sort of uh, be able to go into this this little stretch and be able to uh, maybe rest some players. Yeah, and um, we we all know now there's there's four half the quarterfinal is English clubs. We move on for Wednesday's matchup: Man United and Barcelona at Old Trafford. Your one of your delusions is that Manchester United is going to win the Champions League. You still yeah still confident in that one? And and I'm gonna I'm gonna do the opposite from you. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other way. Now I think Barcelona are playing Manchester United at the perfect time. You know Manchester United had their their uh, big stretch right when Nali came in, uh, but it's sort of it's sort of fizzled out. You know, like he came in, they were in sixth place in the league. They're in sixth place right now. Obviously, they've had some big performances, the big game against PSG, but. They're not they're not at playing as well as they were um, straight away, which is kind of down to why I said last week uh, for my delusion was that the rest of the Premier League should actually be okay, should be actually happy that they stuck with Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, this is going to be a tough one, and I think Barcelona are playing very well right now, and United aren't playing that great. So I'm going to go with Barcelona on this one. Yeah, it's tough to pick against Leo Messi, Going at a uh, a p- 
possibility of a Phil Jones, Chris Smalling center back partnership. Um, I think uh, 10 times out of nine, you're taking Messi in that. Um, I think this one is, is going to be close in scoreline. But I think it's going to be clear who the better team is. Um, mm-hmm. I don't expect Barcelona to walk into Old Trafford and win four nil in this first leg, and the second leg just be an easy breezy uh, day at the office. I think it's go- we're going to say Barcelona have absolutely been the better team, but a chance or two was missed. They didn't capitalize when they could have, and it keeps it tight um, and keeps it up in the air for the second leg. But saying that, it's Barcelona for me. I, if, if you're a betting man, take Barcelona to, to win at Old Trafford and to win back home at the Camp Nou. Um, I just, on the current form, I can't, I can't see Ali Gunnar Solskjaer's side going through here. Um, and I think it's going to be the end of, of a, a good run in the Champions League. Um, didn't expect him to even be this far after the first leg against PSG, but um, impressive nonetheless. And next season, if they keep what they've got and add a few pieces, um, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer will have this team uh, back in the Champions League. But right now, sixth place doesn't look great. Um, Could be so, a blessing in disguise for them to lose. It, yeah, you know, and that's the, the kind of feel that I got with Arsenal's drawn the Europa League. Um, you know, okay, they got Napoli. That's the best team outside of, outside of Chelsea that they could have gotten. Uh, may, probably the favorite right now is Napoli. Um, but, okay, so say Arsenal lose, that's fine. You lost to a good team, um, and now you can focus on the league. Or you win, and you're into the semifinal, and you can say, All right, we've got a real shot at this. So it um, maybe maybe a similar a similar thought for Manchester United, um, and then the the last tie of uh, of the week of the midweeks here is Ajax and Juventus. Cristiano Ronaldo has won the Champions League three years in a row. Now those three Champions Leagues came with Real Madrid. Can he do it again with Juventus, or is it the young Ajax side? that go through. I, I mean, Ajax perhaps the most exciting team still in the competition, especially with what they did against uh, the performance they put on against Real Madrid. Uh, I remember we were on the phone with that being on uh, a crazy game just to get there. Uh, they beat Re- they beat Ronaldo's old team. Now they're going up against the man himself. Uh, it'll be interesting, but I mean, I think I think this is setting up nicely here for Ronaldo and Juventus to, to uh, chase some more some more glory. Yeah, and for me, what I want out of this is most likely not what we're going to get, but I all I can ask for is that going into the second leg, Ajax have it within a goal, so it's really an, an actual chance at, yeah, at sure. getting through. But unfor- I, I think, unfortunately, Juventus are going to outclass them pretty pretty comfortably um, I I think this it's between 
this and the Liverpool Porto one that is going to be the uh, the most straightforward. Um, so it's it's quite the task to ask if Ajax, but if they are up to it, what a run! What a run it would be. Agreed. So moving on to our final uh, discussion here is Arsenal Everton. Everton. For 25 matches, 25 matches, they didn't beat a big 16. Now, two in a row. They've got two. The Marco Silva Reconnaissance. 1-0. <laughs> Renaissance, not Reconnaissance. Yeah, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I just let it go. 1-0. The Marconnaissance. Phil Bloody Jagielka. Are you kidding me? Unreal. I have you... <laughs> talked so much trash on this guy. He wasn't supposed to be in the starting lineup. An injury puts him in there, and he gets a goal. Now, That's how it goes, man. Listen, goal shouldn't have counted. Foul throw. I'm not really paying attention to that. I it, Arsenal were terrible. Now, I got a notification after this match on Bleacher Report. Uh, Ozil uh, is getting wrecked on Twitter, and I, for the life of me, cannot understand this. I cannot wrap my head around the fact that Ozil is the scapegoat in this. I I kind of expected it. Ozil, to me, was decent at Goodison Park. The rest of the team, they awful. Absolutely horrendous. Now, the mm. goal, the way it bounces right to Jagielka, burn Leno, nothing he could do. Leno was actually very good in this game, keeping it at just 1-0, giving the attacking players the chance. Lacazette was Absolutely terrible. Um, he was in Jagielka's pocket. I, I know. Uh, Aubameyang, when he came on, he I they said he came on in the second half. I didn't see him. I didn't see him at all. Ramsey looked better. Ramsey for Elneny was a, a change that was necessary. but um, I'm surprised Ramsey didn't start. You know, he picked up a knock in the last match, in that match against okay. Newcastle that he scored in. Um and I think that's what I think they're saying, you know, okay, we're not going to put you out there for 90 minutes here and then again on Thursday. So, but El Nenny and Guendouzi as your midfield partnership is, when you look at the starting 11, you're not saying, oh, okay, three points. Yeah, you say that's, yeah, um, you say, oh, that, that's a lot of hair. You still, <laughs> you still back the attacking players going up against Phil Jagielka. But like I said, don't know that Aubameyang knew he was getting subbed on. I think he was still in the locker room after the halftime talk. Because atrocious. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> then Awobi came on and looked a little bit better. Um, he, he came on for Ozil. He looked a little bit better. Um, live, liven things up a little bit. Mkhitaryan oh had flashes where you know he got a, a good shot that just missed. Um, tried to curl it around Pickford and it was just wide. Other than that, didn't create all that much. Um, it was just a, an awful, awful performance from Arsenal. You okay? I feel like the temperature is raised in the booth right now. I like this, though. I like that. I think when games like this happen where Arsenal lose a game they shouldn't, and same with Chelsea, I think it's good for us to allow the others to vent. I think this was very much a therapeutic uh, situation for you. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know I was going to do that, but I just kept going. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm back down to earth. It's, my favorite is I saw the tweet on Twitter. It was like, oh, Jackie Elk is in. Just give us the three points yeah. now. Yeah. And then it was like the then guy was laughing at his just, own tweet. 
just FFS <laughs> replied to yeah. the end of that. Um, yeah. Um, like, it's not only Jagielka comes on, it's like, all right, you expect Lacazette to own him throughout the entire match, but instead, not only does Lacazette not score, but Phil Jagielka does. Yeah. Figgy, um, Phil Jagielka gets the winner in the game. That's... Figgy Elka. Ten, ten, oh. ten minutes into it. Um, it's insane. I mean, it, that's happened before. I, it's it's so weird. Like, I know Chelsea... The one time Chelsea... It was their season they finished 10th. They were playing Everton, and someone got injured very early on, and Stephen Naismith came on and scored a hat trick. And then in January, got sold. Yeah, to Norwich. What it, like, yeah. it's insane, like, how that happens. When, like, sometimes, sometimes I, I get nervous when, like, yeah, when, when people get subbed off and then someone comes on, I'm like, oh, well, whoever just came on for the injured guy, they're going to score. I guarantee it. Like, not a surprise at all. It's, it's weird. It's a weird game. But, um, I mean, Marco Silva, we got to start giving him some credit. You know, there was some pressure on him uh, about a month ago. You know, things weren't going great for Everton. And now, look at them. They beat Chelsea. They beat uh, Arsenal. And they're they're right there. They're one point back of seventh place Leicester City. Yeah. They they moved ahead of Watford. They're level on points, but... Uh, four goals better in the goal difference. Um, right, and now it should be said, Wolves and Watford are both a game behind. So if they are able to grab three points, they'll both move back up into exactly, seventh yeah. and eighth. Um, you're very right there. And, you know, uh, looking at what this did to the table this week, now Chelsea just played um, today. So Chelsea have an extra game in, but they are up to third place now. Um, and that's that's massive. And you... you you can't just say, oh, well, oh, game in hand, Arsenal can get level on that. Arsenal have four of their last six are away from home. So, um, you know, Tottenham, they, they have, like, are they going to win a match in the league any time? Like, are they going to be able to put a good run together in the league, or are they just going <laughs> to continue to be terrible? United, they looked great. Two losses in the last five. It's, you know, are, it, are things going to look ever look up for the clubs that are struggling through this period right now. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's anyone's it's anyone's game. I mean, Tottenham are playing Huddersfield next, whereas Arsenal get Watford. So um, it'll be interesting. I think Tottenham for sure will get those points. Watford-Arsenal could be, could be interesting, depending on where you play the game. <laughs> if it's at the Emirates, Arsenal will win. That's how it goes. Let's... Uh... Let's get on to my delusion here. Now, my delusion, I always have delusional thoughts surrounding my my team here. Actually, hold on. Check that. Before we get to the delusion, Coatgate, Ozil Coatgate. tossing his jacket towards somebody. That's all we know. We That's actually we can't tell. I So when I saw it, I thought that he was throwing the jacket at Marco Silva, at you Marco loved Silva. it. Marco Silva was going at Unai Emery for a challenge that Mustafi made on Calvert. There's too many players involved that, whatever. Some, some were saying, I think on NBC they were saying he threw it at the official, which is just perfect if you're looking for a, a, a quick. A band. nice ban. Yeah. yeah. Um, Give Emery less of a selection headache. Yeah, I see That's that exact- as the least likely of the three. I don't think he was happy to be subbed off, but they needed to change something. 
Um, yeah. And he was just the the casualty there. Um, yeah. So my my number one guess was that he threw it at Marco Silva, kind of defending Unai Emery. So yeah, which would be interesting. I mean, I like I think is like when you look at it. I watched the video. I had seen people saying that oh he threw it at his own manager, and you look at it and like yeah, it lands the closest to Emery. I don't think he would have actually thrown it that explicitly. Like we've seen players do stuff like that. I've seen Diego Costa throw his bib and it goes near Mourinho or something like that. But like the thing about throwing it at Marco Silva, there's like you have Emery and there's like two or three of like Everton's assistant managers ahead of Marco Silva. So, I mean, if he was actually, there was no way he was ever going to hit Marco Silva in any way. So that's why it doesn't look like he was even like attempting to throw it at him because he's like, he's, you're going to hit your own manager before you hit uh, Marco Silva. So obviously, I mean, I think it comes closest to Emery, which is what why people are saying is that it was thrown at him. It's, I don't know, it, Coke-gate. I yeah. love Coke-gate. In- inject Coke-gate into my veins. My, so we're, we're figuring out between whether it's between Silva or the officials because the, the timing makes absolutely no sense for it to be thrown at Unai Emery. Um, so you subbed me off a few minutes ago. One of our players made a bad challenge, and our managers are fighting with the officials in the middle. So now I'm going to choose to say, hey, you shouldn't have subbed me off. No, that's not how that works. If he, if it happened where I, – I, I can't find a scenario. I can't think of a scenario where he would have thrown it at Unai Emery. But when the two managers are going at it on the touchline is not the time where he would have said, yeah, I'm with the guys on Everton because you took me off and shouldn't have. So – I'm mad at Mustafi for making a challenge on Calvert-Lewin, too. It, it just doesn't make sense. Doesn't throw it matter. at Mustafi. Do us all a favor and throw it at Mustafi. Throw it at Mustafi and change it from a coat to a brick and make sure you hit him directly in the face. Do your team some good here. Oh, my gosh. Um, but oh, on to my delusion, Arsenal-Everton-based delusion, really Arsenal-based, uh, away from home. Arsenal, the remaining matches in the league, away to Watford, Home to Palace, away to Wolves, away to Leicester, home to Brighton, away to Burnley. I will say Arsenal will pick up more points in two games at home than they will in four games on the road. The teams they have to face, Watford, they're riding high. They're in the FA Cup final. They've got confidence. Wolves. Manchester United just went to the, to, uh, the Molyneux Stadium. Didn't work out well for them. They kind of self-destructed, but didn't work out well. Leicester City, resurgent under Brendan Rodgers. And then away, final day, to Burnley, who could be fighting for their life in the league. Another resurgence for them. They just they picked a couple games together. Yeah, I think they pick up... I think Arsenal picks up six points at home uh, with games against Palace and Brighton. Um, but I don't think they reach six points away in their final four. Where does that leave Arsenal on the table at the end of the season? Where do you see that? Where do you see them? 13th. <laughs> 13th? <laughs> no, 13th. Uh, sixth. sixth. You see them? You think they're, they're sixth? Yes. It's interesting that we both we both see our teams as the sixth best team because we know we know what can happen. We know what they're capable of doing. Yeah, and by that I mean we know what they're capable of not doing. We know the. What do you think? It or do you think they get five points on the road? 
in those four games, four, three, two, one, zero. Um, I think I, they, like... I think they go away to Watford on a Monday night and lose. I think they go away to Wolves on a Wednesday night, and I think they get a draw. Okay. I think they go away to Leicester City on a Monday night and lose. And I think on the final day, they win. So I think they get, I'm, I'm saying four points. So they get 10 more points the rest of the season. So yeah. you have them finishing the season with 73. 73 points. points. Which would be 10 more right. than they finished with last season. So they've already equaled their points tally this year. Yes. Wow. With, they had equaled their points tally with seven games remaining. So Unai Emery's doing something right. But... Yeah, um, yeah. I see them. T- I see ten more points for Arsenal in six more games, and that is not going to be enough. I'm trying to look. I'm looking at like to- who did Tottenham have? Three. I think Tottenham get. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think Tottenham get at least six. They play maybe seven. Seven, seven more for Tottenham. Is that all I'm saying right here? Unless I missed a game. I think you might be missing a game there because seven points. They still got. They still have six to go. Yeah, so they are going to play Huddersfield. That's three points. City in the league. They still have to play City in the league. I'm going to say zero points. Then they play Brighton. Okay, another three. So that's that's six there. West Ham. Give them one seven. Uh, and then they play. Bournemouth, I give them another. See, I think they're going to get 11 more, 11 more points, 11 which, to 13 more points. Which puts them two points ahead of Arsenal at the end of the season. Um, so we'll, we'll, be, we'll be looking at it week in, week out. I might completely flip-flop next week, but we will see. But uh, You might flip-flop next week, but your delusion will be forever ingrained on our Instagram because, as you have seen, if you follow us on Instagram – the uh, inspirational quotes disguised as del- or the delusions disguised as inspirational quotes have made it to our timeline, uh, and yours will be posted. Holding I down, accountable, I a- something I never wanted to do. Yeah, that was yeah, very much. You were very much against that one, but it, it's interesting. I, I, it's hard to argue with because I think six points at home for Arsenal in two games, that's. Eat. Like Arsenal play great at home, but you're right, they they struggle so much on the road. I would not be surprised if they only pick up four more points. It'll be it'll be interesting to see as this this top four race heats up. And I mean, it's Tottenham. I think are probably in the best situation considering who they play. Arsenal have those four road games. They struggle. Chelsea have to play United still and uh, Liverpool. You know, I mean, Tottenham have City, but the rest of their schedule is looks pretty easy. So, who knows? There's still two spots to play for, though, so anything can happen. You got that right. Please follow us on social media. Thank you. At Footy Adu on Twitter, at Footy Adu on Instagram. Please check us out on all your podcasting platforms. We are on so many different ones. I don't even remember which ones we're on. I know specifically, though, we are on Anchor. We are on Spotify, and we are on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts along with any 
sort of delusion you have, um, what your favorite, who your favorite team is, and why. Just something cool. You don't have to necessarily, or I mean, if you have any constructive criticism for the podcast, why not uh, leave it there? But yeah, please leave a review. Five star reviews help us get seen by everyone, seen and heard. Uh, also, check out Reddit. Uh, for our question of the week, Zach will come up with something, and uh, I'm sure, and I hope it's not Matt Ritchie related, but but please look out for that. We will talk about it on the podcast, and we will uh, start giving out answers, and you know we'll we'll add it to our discussion. But thank you for listening in to our delusions, our stories, and uh, Zach yelling at me. <laughs>